So we are, um, as a family, we're, we've always tried to promote reading. And um, as the kids are getting a little older, one of the things that really excited about reading now is comic books. Now, not kind of like the adult comic books, kind of, you know, heavy violence. It's kind of the kid comic books, right? Where somehow these superheroes manage to, like, fight evil without doing any, you know, harm, any violence. I don't know how that happens. But that's the kind of, that's the stuff that our kids are excited about these days. So we're reading about Superman, Batman, Aquaman, which is a weird superhero, but uh, The Flash, uh, Green Lantern, all of these superheroes. And, you know, as I'm, as I'm reading and thinking about these superheroes more, because our kids are doing that, uh, it strikes me how awesome it would be to live in a world where superheroes existed. Uh, particularly to be someone like, uh, if, you, if you've ever followed Superman, the comic books or, or any, any of Superman uh, stories, you've got Lois Lane, right? You've got uh, this it's, it's kind of love interest, but damsel in distress. But you've got also Jimmy, this other reporter, um, who they always wind up getting themselves into trouble. All right? They always get in some kind of trouble. But no matter what trouble they get into, Superman saves the day. He flies in in the nick of time to save them as they're falling from a, you know, a, a building or as they're walking down a dark alley or as some you know, alien uh, invades Earth and is getting ready to destroy Lois and, and Jimmy. Superman flies in to save the day. So I was thinking, man, how awesome would that be to have a superhero who would just kind of fly in to save the day all the time? How that would just kind of totally change the way you think about life. That was my first impulse. And my second impulse was that, you know, actually, I mean, in some ways that'd be cool, but it'd also be kind of irrelevant if I'm honest, because I don't find myself falling from buildings often. Uh, I don't wander around dark alleys. Um, that's just something that my mom told me not to do. Uh, I have never once encountered an alien that was trying to kill me. So, you know, it is a great superhero. You know, it's, it, you kind of get lost in the fantasy world of how awesome would that be to have a superhero buddy. I thought, you know what? It's not, not helpful for me. It's not practical. It's not real. Not that I don't have needs. Not that I don't have uh, a need for a hero to come in and, and rescue me at times. It's just the, the superhero rescue. That's a little bit... Uh, impractical. It's a little bit irrelevant. Now, the struggles that, that I do have, uh, struggles like frustration and getting down and getting mildly depressed when things don't go my way, those are the kind of struggles that I mean, it'd be nice to have someone to come in and save me from. Um, struggles such as, um, you know, struggling against sin and feeling distant from God at times. You know, I know in my head that God's near me, but I don't feel God. He feels like he's abandoned me. Those are the kind of you know, struggles where it would be nice to have someone come in and rescue me from that. Or, you know what, guys, sometimes I just don't have a clue, right? I'm faced with decisions in life. I'm faced with um, two paths. I, just, I don't know the answer. So to have someone come in and give me wisdom, and that's the kind of hero that would be really practical, that would be really helpful, that really, truly would just change my life. We're looking at Romans 8 today, 26 and 27, and what we see is the presence of a hero in the form of the Holy Spirit. Unlike these comic book heroes, which is, are exciting to watch, very impractical in life, the Holy Spirit comes into rescue in real practical needs that you and I face every single day. The Holy Spirit is a reality in our life. It's a presence. It's a hero that comes in to save us from ourselves, save us from sin, save us from frustrations, save us from confusion. That's what we're going to be looking at today. In particular, how 
the Holy Spirit comes in to save us. We're going to be looking at, in this sort of three points, how the Holy Spirit comes in to save us, what he does for us, how he benefits us. And um, for some of the younger children who are here today, um, or for some of you older people who have the mind of a child, I've got to, I want to encourage you to just kind of think of three pictures to kind of guide you through this process. So the, the, first, the first thing that the Holy Spirit gives us is he gives us strength, he gives us prayer, and he gives us wisdom. So those are the three points. He gives us strength, he gives us prayer, and he gives us wisdom. So if you're looking for a picture, think of uh, maybe a, a person who is got his you know, hands together. That's one of the pictures, right? He gives us prayer. You can draw that, doodle it if, if you're inclined to do so. Uh, another picture is you could you know, draw a figure with big muscles, right? He gives us strength, right? Holy Spirit gives us strength, he gives us prayer, and then he gives us wisdom. So you can draw someone with a really big head. All right, indicating this, this intelligence, this wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives us. The Holy Spirit comes in and rescues us in our time of need, specifically by giving us strength, prayer, and wisdom. Well, let's look at 26. First of all, the Holy Spirit gives us strength. Now, in, in verse 26, it says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, weakness, this word in the Greek is a very general term. It can mean pretty much anything. It can mean just natural limitations, right? Like, I'm tired. It could mean suffering, all right? Um, there's a lot of suffering in Romans 8 that, that uh, is talked about. So that's, you know, one thing. It can, it can mean sin. You know, the, the struggle that the, we have, the weakness of sin, one of the ways that this word can be defined is, is by illness, right? So weakness and illness, there, there's a similarity there in, in, in the Greek. And you think about an illness, think about when you're really sick, right? Just kind of get that mind, get, get that picture in your mind. When you're really sick, right, you are just utterly weak, right? I mean, just physically weak, laying on the couch. Uh, your, your head throbs. I'm obviously giving you my symptoms. Yours might be different. But this is kind of what it's like when I'm, when I'm sick, my head's throbbing, Laying on the couch, aching, my stomach is just kind of doing flips, all kind of nauseated. Um, you know, to, to do the, the most basic, you know, tasks of my day just is unbearably tiresome. Right? It's a picture of, of, of illness, right? So this, 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 this concept of utter weakness, well, according to this passage, that's you and I. We are weak. Now, think about it. If you want to understand what kind of weakness are we, because that's a valid question, right? It's one thing to say we're weak, but what does that mean? Just think about Romans 8. And, and if you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open up your Bibles and just kind of like fan through Romans 8, because what you're going to see is a lot of different pictures of weakness. One, one of these pictures of weakness is actually in the, the very next verse that we're going to look at later on. It's, it's kind of a weakness of limitations. In, in verse 27, it says, we don't know what to pray. We don't know what to pray as we ought. So that would be just kind of a natural limitation. Not necessarily sin, but we just, we're just limited. And so we feel weak and inadequate in this world. Uh, if you go backwards, uh, into, I think it's about 13 through 24 uh, of Romans 8, what you're going to see is intense suffering. It's kind of vivid language here. Creation groans. Like our world around us, according to Romans 8, is in bondage to decay. It's corrupted. It is groaning out. We live in a broken world. And that impacts us daily, right? Sickness, relational, uh, relational damage, 
betrayal, death, anxiety, insecurity. This is the world we live in. And not only does our creation, does creation groan, but Romans 8 says we groan too. Even as Christians, we groan out because of the situation that we're in. If you keep going back to the very beginning of, of Romans 8, you see a list of commands, a list of kind of, it's a picture of what the Christian life is supposed to be like. And, and Paul says things like, you are to walk in the Spirit. You are to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. You are to put to death the sin that's in your life. You are debtors to the Spirit. This is the language that Paul uses to characterize the life that you and I live. If you reflect upon that, I promise you, you'll start to feel your own weakness. Because can anyone here say, yeah, you know what? I've done these things. My mind is set on the Spirit. There's no sinful thoughts that kind of come in. It's not, that's not reality. How many of us can say, yeah, I've truly put sin to death in my life. It doesn't exist at all. That's not reality. How many of us can we say we truly live our whole lives, every part of our life, not just one category, every part of our life as debtors to, to God? We live our whole life in devotion to the Lord. We don't. So not only is there limitations, that, that, that you, know, you know, weakness and limitations, not only is there weakness in suffering, but there's weakness in sin. There's weakness in sin. This is who we are. Now, um, this passage assumes weakness. And I don't know where you're at right now. And, and today, you may be coming and you're feeling your weakness very strongly today. Maybe all it took was Thanksgiving and time with family. And you're feeling how weak you are because that was just a pain to... You know, relational tension, that's a, that's a real weakness. Maybe you've got physical ailments that are just plaguing you right now. Maybe relational damage, hurt. I don't know where you're at. Maybe sin that's just besetting, that you just cannot conquer uh, in your heart right now. I, I don't know. I do know this. This passage assumes that we are all weak. We are all weak. This does not just apply to some of us who feel a lot of pain right now. This passage applies to all of us. The question is where? Where are you weak? And I would encourage you to, to, to do the work to, to find, to pinpoint at least one spot in your life that you're weak right now, that you're weak today. Maybe it's sin, maybe it's suffering, maybe it's limitations. But something in your life, because if you can't get to that point where you say, you know what, I am weak. This passage is not going to be as relevant for you. This passage assumes that we are all weak, so I want to invite you to consider, how are you weak? Well, the point isn't just that, that we are weak. That is the point, but that's not the only point. The point is that in our weakness, the Spirit helps us. In our weakness, the Spirit helps us. John 14, uh, this is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He's talking to his disciples. And he is telling them that he is getting ready to, to leave the disciples and go up to heaven. But he also says that when he goes up to heaven, he will send the Holy Spirit to dwell with them. To be their helper, to be their counselor, to be their comforter. John 14, 16 says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. This passage says, you are weak, but the Spirit helps you in that weakness. The, the word for helps here has this image of, of coming to the aid of or to, to join with someone in help. To bear the burden alongside of, of someone. So kind of get this image in your mind. Imagine this 
this massive backpack, all right? It's the largest backpack you've ever seen. And in this backpack, you've got the weight of, of all of the sufferings in your, in your life, physical sufferings. I mean, it's small. You stub your toe. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, you, you've got a, a huge, you know, you get huge ailment, um, just de- debilitating physical condition. That's in this backpack. Uh, relational pain in this backpack. Loss in this backpack. Betrayal in this backpack. All the sufferings that this world gives you, that's in this backpack that you're, you're carrying with you every day. Not only suffering, but the sin that you face. None of us is perfect. We've all got sin that we struggle with. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's deceit, anger, pride, greed. I don't know what your besetting sin is, but, but I know you've got one sin that you might struggle with or some sins that you struggle with more than others. Those go in this backpack, and, and this is just weighting you down. This is the backpack that you carry with yourselves uh, every day of your life. Not only that, but limitations. Sometimes we're tired. The, the demands of our life just kind of weigh us down naturally. This is the backpack that you carry with you every day. The image here says the Holy Spirit comes along and he helps you carry that backpack. He takes that strap off of you and he puts it on him so that you have added strength for the journey. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does that's really practical for us, that's so necessary, is that he comes in and he gives us strength in our weakness. And remember, the, remember who the Holy Spirit is. You know, it's, it's one thing just to have someone who, who just wants to help, which is awesome. If you are in pain, if you, are, um, if, you're, if you feel alone, if you're struggling, just to have someone come up and sit down next to you, that's powerful enough, Right? To have someone who just wants to empathize, who wants to share in the suffering. Think about Job and his three friends. That's, that's when they got it right, was they just sat down with Job and they just were with him. When you and I have someone to come alongside of us, there's immense relief just in that. And the Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit is present with us. At Christmas time, we celebrate Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And guys, that's how, the Holy, that's how God is with us right now, is through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He is present. You are not alone. But it's even better than that because it's not just that you have someone with you so you're not alone, but you have someone with you who can actually help. You know, it's great to have a friend come alongside you and be with you, but it's even better to have someone come alongside and with you if if he can actually help you in the situation that you're struggling with. That's real help. And that's the help of the Holy Spirit. That's the strength that he gives us. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the almighty God who created the heavens, who created the universe, who sustains the stars in the sky, who orders all the nations, the the God who is sovereign over every living creature on this earth, over every past event of history. That's the God who dwells in you. His spirit dwells in you. And he gives us strength when we're weak, which is just an amazing truth. He gives us strength when you're weak. So you're not alone. Be encouraged. You are not alone. You have the Spirit in you. But not only does the Spirit give us strength, but it continues. It gets more specific. Romans 8.26 continues and he says, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. So first of all, it starts out by saying, you are weak, you are weak, you are weak. And then it kind of uh, expounds on that a little bit and says, you are weak. And one of the ways you're weak is that you, you can't pray effectively. You can't pray as you ought to pray. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I thought about all the different kinds of weaknesses possible, the fact that I can't pray, that just struck me as odd. I thought, well, there's a lot of weaknesses that would just kind of make my top ten list, but the fact that I can't pray, that wouldn't make one of them, you know? Um, but then I started thinking about the importance of prayer and, and why is prayer so important? And when you think about it, it starts to make sense, right? Prayer. So we were created to worship God. That's why we're here. Right? We were created not only to worship God, we were created to be dependent on God. Every breath that we breathe comes from God. All right? We are dependent upon Him. And we are called to love God more than anything else in this world. Despite the fact that temptation calls to us from every side saying, Hey, love me. Love me. I'm fulfilling. Love me. I'll give you contentment. Love me. I'm why you're here. We're called to love God more. Consider Romans 8, this, this same language that we just talked about. You're to walk in the Spirit, to set your mind on the Spirit. Your whole life is to be a debtor to the Spirit. You are to called to kill sin. You're called to glorify God in your suffering. Not just to survive suffering, but actually glorify God in the suffering and run to God in suffering. That's the task that we have as Christians. That's not optional. That's what God's calling us to, you and I too. If that's true, we have to pray. If that's truly our calling, to be dependent upon God, we need God more than anything else. We need prayer. Prayer is our lifeline to God. Think about this. A, a diver, a uh, deep-sea diver, he's got this oxygen tank, right? And you know he can go wherever he, he wants as long as his oxygen tank is fully functioning. His oxygen tank is the difference between life and death for the deep-sea diver. For you and I in this world, we, we kind of, we're living kind of underwater in the sense of not being home. This world is not our home. This world is, is not, uh, not normal. This world is not what we were intended to be in. Prayer is our oxygen tank. Prayer is what keeps us alive. Prayer is what keeps us sane. Prayer is one of the most important things that you and I could possibly do. Prayer. But yet, according to this passage, we can't do it. Like, that's the passage. We cannot pray like we ought to. We can't pray effectively. There's probably a, a bunch of different reasons for why you and I can't pray effectively or don't pray effectively. It may be a simple question just to ask yourself is how often do you pray? You know, I mean, that's a convicting question for me to ask and ask yourself. It, prayer, I, I believe, the Bible says prayer is of vital importance. How often do you pray? Why don't we pray? Well, one of the reasons in this passage is that we don't know what to pray. Like, we're, we're kind of clueless when we come to the, the Lord. It's kind of like a deer in the headlights. What, what do I pray for, God? I don't know. There, there's other reasons why we, we might not pray. Maybe we don't, we don't feel close to God. We feel distanced from God. And so we don't want to pray to God because we feel shame, perhaps. Maybe it's just we feel so burdened by life that it almost just freezes us and makes us numb. I've been there at times. Maybe you're there today. We just feel numb in this life. And so even the act of calling out to the Lord seems impossible. Whatever the reason, 
Scripture says we don't pray as we ought to. We can't pray as we ought to. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes in. And he prays for us. He prays for us. 826, but the Spirit himself intercedes before us. He takes our need and he brings the need to the Father. There's, a, there's some confusing things in here. There's the whole groaning thing and, and there's this language of he who searches hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit. And I don't want to get lost. I don't want to lose the force for the trees, but let me, let me tackle 27 first. <clears throat> uh, verse 27 says, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. So he who searches hearts, that's God the Father, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. So what this is saying is God the Father knows what's in the Spirit's mind. Okay? Well, the question is, what's in the Spirit's mind? Well, and it keeps going because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. The Father knows what's in the Spirit's mind. And what's in the Spirit's mind is us. Us. The, the, the Holy Spirit intercedes to the Father on behalf of the saints. Think of it this way. I've got a friend. Uh, he doesn't go to this church. No one knows him. But he has a brother. Uh, I've never met this brother. But uh, his, his brother is going through a, just an awful awful crisis in his family. Um, divorce pending and, and, and all this. Um, I know all kinds of details about this, this person that I've never met because I, I'm friends with the brother. The brother, every time we talk, it's just he can't help but pour out his heart for, for his brother. So my friend, when he talks to me, he just it's automatic. He tells me about his brother and he pours out his heart for his brother. Because of that... I can pray for the brother. I've never met the brother before. There's this distance, but, but because the brother comes to, because the, the friend comes to me, I'm able to pour out my prayers for the brother. There, this, this is a similar dynamic here. What this is saying is the Holy Spirit takes our needs, intercedes to the Father constantly. And because the, the, the Holy Spirit constantly intercedes to the Father, the Father knows all of our needs constantly. Because the Spirit, on our behalf, is speaking to the Father day in and day out. We can't even pray in our weakness, but the Spirit prays for us. He knows the mind. God knows the mind of the Spirit. Why is this important? Well, sometimes, if you're like me, I, I do wonder, does God hear? Does God care? Does Sometimes I feel like God is removed. Again, I know in my head what I tell other people and what I read. That God is near to me, but what I feel is that God is very distant. When I feel distant from God, the Holy Spirit takes me by way of intercession to the Father. Constantly. One way to think about this prayer of the Spirit, it's kind of like, it's more than this, so don't get lost in this analogy, it's imperfect, but uh, autopilot, right? So, pilot turns on autopilot and is able to check out for a minute. The, 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 the plane keeps, keeps going, right? There's this continued course, even when the pilot is, is checked out for a minute. There is, a, I believe, a reality that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us 
on autopilot. That doesn't give us an, an excuse to check out. That is not suggesting that you don't need to pray because the Spirit prays for you. But it is an encouragement to know that at all times the Spirit is interceding to the Father on your behalf. Your task is to join Him. You have an advocate. You have an intercessor. You have someone, an ally, who takes your every single need. What's on your heart right now? What's burdening you right now? He's taking that to the Father, and the Father hears. You are in the Father's presence because of the Holy Spirit. Be encouraged. Your needs are always before God. But lastly, so the the Spirit gives us strength. The Spirit gives us prayer. Finally, the Spirit gives us wisdom. The Spirit gives us wisdom. Romans 8.27 says, Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit intercedes for the saints, how? According to the will of God. The Spirit knows something that you and I don't know. And that is the, the secret will of God, the hidden will of God. Remember, we, you and I, we know what we need to know. God gives us exactly what we need by way of his will. He gives us his commands, right? Those are his wills, uh, his, preceptive, his preceptive will. Those are his wills of command, all right? We know what pleases God, right? Because God has given us that in the Bible. That's important. We also know, in a larger principle, that everything that happens in some way fits into the plan of God. Because God is sovereign over everything. So that everything that happens, happens according to the will of God. What we don't know is, is the, specific, the specifics of that. What we don't know is how any given circumstance could possibly be something that God uses for good. I've, I've had my experiences where I look at this, I look at this situation and I think, God, there is no way I can see how you bring good from this. There's no way. I believe it, but, but I don't, I don't see it with my eyes. I believe it in my heart, but I don't see it with my eyes. How can the circumstance possibly be good? God tells us that we don't know all things. The mind of God is vast and we are finite. Revelation is like God pulling back the curtain. And God has pulled back the curtain so we know just as much as we need to know about God. But there is so much more. There is so much more to God than what you and I know. We just know what we need to know in order to live a godly life, in order to love God. But the Spirit knows the whole picture. He knows the whole picture. And He's the one who is praying to God on our behalf. Uh, Thanksgiving, I was sitting with, uh, with family and one of my nephews was talking to his, his grandmother and his, his, this, this nephew was, the, the, the grandmother asked the nephew, Hey, what do you want for Christmas? Nephew got a big smile. He said, I want ice skates. The mother was standing right next to it. And she just freaked out. She's like, no, not ice skates. We don't live anywhere near an ice rink. It doesn't snow or ice at all, and we don't have time to travel an hour and a half to the nearest ice skating ring. Please don't get him ice skates to the grandmother. So the mother, the mother interceded. It's like, no, no, that's not what he needs. Don't do that. I'll tell you what he needs, and there's a list of things. But this right over here, that's not what he needs. Guys, you and I have an intercessor. We have the Holy Spirit who calls out to God what we truly need. You and I think we know, right? We, we want those ice skates. We want this relief from pain. We want the situation to change. We want what we want. But the Holy Spirit knows what we need. He knows what we truly need. And he calls out to the Lord on our behalf. So 
so what? So why does this matter that the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom? Because you and I find ourselves constantly with a lack of wisdom. We don't know what we are to do. But the Holy Spirit calls out to the Lord to give us exactly what we need. The Holy Spirit gives us the wisdom that we need in due time. I was talking to a friend and he was saying, he was reminding me, remember, life is not about God giving you a whole bunch of puzzle pieces and throwing them out there and says, all right, you figure it out. You put them all together. And, and if you get it right, then you'll get a picture of my plan. It's different. That's not how the Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit guides us one step at a time, illuminating our steps, enabling us to trust. Because we have this, this, this hero, right, at our disposal, present with us at all times. And it's not an irrelevant superhero like Superman, right? It is a superhero. It is a hero. It is a, a powerful ally who enables us to carry on in exactly the manner that we need to. Do you see grace here? Because at every step of the way, the message of this passage is that you can't do it. You're not strong enough. You can't even pray like you ought to. You don't have wisdom. The message of the gospel of grace, is that you can't do it. So God had to do it for you. You are not good enough. You are not strong enough. You are not righteous enough to earn any merit of God, any love of God. You can't climb the ladder to heaven that's based on works. God has to climb down the ladder in the person of Jesus Christ to live the perfect life that you can't, to be strong in all the ways that you can't, To pray to the Father for all of the right things, even when that meant dying on the cross himself, as he submits to the Father's will. And Christ was wise in all the areas that he was faced with. We can't do it. God did it. That's the message of the gospel of grace. Do you see grace? But finally, do you see the impact? To have the presence of the Holy Spirit guiding you every step of the way, giving you strength when you're not strong, helping you to pray when you can't have the words to pray. The Holy Spirit who cries out these these inaudible words when words don't suffice, right? And, And all that might come is groans. The Holy Spirit calls out to the Father. When we are lost, the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. So what this calls us to do is to join in the work of God. Because we have an ally who does it for us, we are then able to follow God. We are able to run the race before us. When you feel faint, when you feel weak, know that the Spirit is picking you up and encouraging you down this life of discipleship. When you feel like you can't pray, when the words don't even come, recognize that you have an ally. And so join him in this Pursuit of, of, of God. Join the Holy Spirit in, in, in crying out to the Lord, which is your oxygen tank in this earth. And finally, when you feel like you, do have, no, you have no clue, you, you don't know the way, take a step of faith. Follow the Lord. Pray for wisdom. Pray for guidance, for counsel from the Word, from others around you. And wait for the Spirit to give you the next step and the next step in a life of faith. This is all about grace. 
And this is all about a changed life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for loving us so much that not only did you die for us, not only did you live a perfect life for us, not only did you come alive for us, but when you ascended into heaven, you sent your Spirit to dwell with us. Father, I thank you for this amazing, amazing gift, the presence of the Almighty God of the universe in our hearts. Help us to appreciate the Holy Spirit more. Help us to value him, to be aware of his presence more. And as we are encouraged by the Holy Spirit, help us to follow you with greater intensity, with greater faithfulness, with greater love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.